Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. We'll begin this series last week called Missing Peace. I'll forego all the introductions. If you weren't here last week, please go online. It's on there today. You can go and hear the first message in the series. But the reality of it is, is listen, I'm just going to speak from a heart today. I, 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 as your pastor, I don't know everything that you're going through. I know what you share with me. I think the Spirit leads me at times to know that where I may not know all the details, although sometimes He reveals things to me, that I know that you're going through stuff. It's called life. And so often what happens is your peace. You lose that peace. I, I titled this message series, Missing Peace. The peace is missing in your life. And the idea of this sermon series is to try to help us find that missing peace. In the midst of storms, in the midst of uncertain circumstances, in the midst of unexplainable problems, in the midst of having that family member or co-worker who is the caring too much caring, as we called her last Sunday, that wants to be all up in your business, that person that when you, you know they're coming to an event, it's like, ooh, ooh, I don't know, I don't want to be. I, I want us to find in the midst of the storms that you're, you're living in right now, in your own personal lives, peace, peace. We looked last week at Luke chapter 2, verse 14, and I'll back up. I'm going to read some of the scripture before it says, But the angel said to them, speaking to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, I bring you what? Good news. That will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the one that they've been looking for. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those whom His favor rests. The reality is most people think that Jesus came to bring peace to this world. We think that He's come, and we've heard it said that He came to bring peace to this world. The reality is there is no peace in this world. I mean, how many of y'all can say, My life lacks peace? The, the turmoil, the, the wars, the rumors of wars, uh, the, 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 the death that's all around us, the turmoil that's all around us, the shootings, I mean, the economy. Do I need to keep telling you all that's going bad in the world? Read the news. Listen to it if you want to be depressed. There is no peace in this world or on this earth, but God can give you peace. Jesus came not to bring peace to the world, but He came to bring peace to our minds, our thoughts, our hearts, while we go through it, he never said he came to deliver us from all the things that steal our peace. If he had said that, then we wouldn't have many of the scriptures that we stand on. We wouldn't need him during the hard times if there were no hard times. He says in Isaiah, he says, when you go through the waters, I go with you. When you go through the fire, I go with you. What he's saying is, is when we face these times of turmoil, when we, the peace is stolen, robbed from our heart, He's there so that we can still have peace in the midst of the turmoil that we face. Matter of fact, He says, Jesus says, it's something He left us. It's a gift. John 14, 27, He says, Peace I have 
peace I leave with you, he says, my peace. My peace. The peace of Christ, he says, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Why? Because the world's peace is temporary. It's fragile at best. It's based on, on circumstances. Jesus' peace is not. He is there to help you with your mind, your heart, to help you through, to remind you you're not going through it on your own. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Many of you have troubled hearts today. And through this message series, God, the Lord Jesus, is trying to trouble. It, they're not going to go away, but through it, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. See? Of all the gifts many of you could get this Christmas, this is probably the greatest gift you could get is the gift of peace. I'm believing that on Christmas Day or Christmas afternoon when you sit in with your family and you have family members who come and, and you celebrate Christmas together and say, what did you get today? And, you know, Brother Glenn, it might, you're going to say, well, I got a new rifle, right? Brother Daryl, you're going to say, I got a new computer, a great laptop, right? Right? Uh, Charlotte's going to say, my dad's going to pay off my, my dad paid off my car for me. And now some of y'all listen. Glenda, what do you want for Christmas real quick? <laughs> Peace. <laughs> yeah, but what you're going to say, but that's not what's the most important. The greatest gift I got this year is peace. I say, I'm, I'm being funny, I know, but I'm serious about the idea. You need peace. You need peace in this world of turmoil in unrest and that's what i want for you and i know you know what i know i can say this out of shadow doubt that's what god wants for each and every one of us this peace is nothing like the world has which is very fragile it's a peace that helps you through those hard times so this morning we're going to look at one of the points i made last week and we're going to dive into it a little bit more tonight and think about it for just a minute um, what every day is that one what is one thing, and I'm going to use the word thing in quotes, that can steal your peace probably quicker than anything else? Finances? Family. People. People. People, right? Come on, think about it. Every day you're not fighting. I mean, you may have financial situations every day, but the reality is it's the people who come along. And, Let me tell you something. This world would be really peaceful if it wasn't for all the people. All right, now I'm going to do like I did last week. Everybody's eyes up here. Do not look to the person left or right of you. I don't, I don't want turmoil in your household or with your friends and family, all right? I'm not talking about, you may be thinking about the person next to you, but by no means has the Holy Spirit revealed to me anybody whose problem is anybody else's, okay, or person. But yeah, it's this idea of people. You could be having a great day and someone could come along and in a moment that person could steal your peace from you, cause turmoil in your life just driving down 231 come on you can have your music on and you're hitting a one hand up praising god with one eye open at least right you're saying hallelujah this is who you are yeah you could be singing to the top of your lungs next thing you know somebody is riding your bumper like they're bump drafting around talladega or or down at daytona motor speedway right and all of a sudden you go from this to what are you doing you may even take both hands and ride with the deal. I've seen some of you ladies doing that, putting your makeup on, going down 231. Please don't. That's scary. You're like, what? What do you want? I'm in the slow lane. Andy, go around me. I don't know what you want me to do, brother. I tease him all the time. That, that slick black car gets up and down 231 pretty quick. <laughs> but no, it, it happens. In a moment, you go from hallelujah to 
What are you thinking? What's going on? And you leave the peaceful state of mind and instantly you're unsettled and upset. Happened to me this week. Happened to me this week. Things are just going peachy keen and suddenly a text comes in and somebody just let me have it about something. And they have no idea what they're talking about. They're, they're, they are not in the know of what's going on. And instantly, part of me wanted to say, who do you think you are? If they could have seen me, I'm going, what are you thinking? Talking to me or texting me like that. What are you thinking? You don't even know what's going on. You don't know what you're talking about. Now, obviously, I can't say that. But at that moment, if I'm very transparent with you, you know, you've got it before. Don't look at me like, what are you talking about, Pastor? You know. You could be the one who sent it. Now you're all wondering, oh man, I'm going to be a little bit more careful about how I, how I text the pastor. Yeah, emojis help a lot, by the way. So anyway, that's why they created them. No, but seriously, you, you know what I'm talking about. David had that. King David had this. He, he wrote in Psalms 120, a short, it's a very short little psalm, but at the beginning of it, he's kind of saying, God, I'm in distress. These people are they're, they're liars, they're, they're backstabbers, they're, they're mean. And then in verse uh, 6 he says, Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. They, too long have I loved, uh, I've lived around people who hate peace. I am for peace. God, do you not see my heart? I'm for peace. But when I speak, therefore, war. Therefore, conflict. I'm for peace. But everybody else, they just want to fight. You ever felt that way? Maybe if so, a co-worker at work that just wants to stir things up. Huh? Come on. For y'all retired, you don't, you, you don't understand that any longer. But you know, right? Or that one family member, you know, your, your family can't get along with each other. Now, now I've now I'm got on the porch and now I'm meddling, aren't I? Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. We live in a nation that insists on conflict. Our nation is, is divided. And a lot of it's because those, those crazy people up in Washington, D.C., they, they cannot agree on anything because one day one side of the aisle can say this and these people say that. Next day, this priest will say that. And they, and they change because why? They don't want peace. They don't want unity. They don't want agreement. I hate to pop your bubble, but it's not a reality. They're too busy hating one another to try and do what's right for our nation. It's, it's the world that we live in. And listen, I believe in conflict resolution. I believe that we should work at getting along, resolving disagreements, and, and, and work at solving the issues of our life. But the reality of that is it's not always a possibility. So the message today is not on, I'm not preaching on uh, reconciliation or conflict, conflict resolution, rather. But can we have peace anyways? When you have that person or those people in your life... Or that one who wants to bump draft you down 231 or up 231. Can, although death's taking place, can you have peace anyways? And the answer today, I want you to hear explicitly, is yes. And I'm going to show you through the Word of God a way, regardless of your, if your family ever gets along, whether your co-worker ever quits meddling and stirring up things, and regardless of 231 ever calms down, because you know with all this road construction, for the next year and a half, two years, it's not going to get any better on 231. Can you still have peace? And the answer is, I believe you can. And we're going to look at that this morning. But before we do, can I take a moment? I believe in not just looking at a, not just looking at a, a resolution to a problem. 
But let's look at how a problem, I'm going to spend just a few moments and educate you on how a problem, a war, a conflict begins, whether it's between nations or husband and wife. So maybe if we see how it starts, maybe we can stop it before it happens. Are you all okay with that today? Can your pastor just teach a little bit this morning before I, I get back into the Word? First thing I want you to notice is there's distance in thought. The first thing before conflict ever arises, there's a distance in thought. There's a distance in idea. There's a separation of some kind that happens between two people, two people groups, nations, whatever happens. It, it, it happens in our marriages. It happens with our children in our homes. You, you think one way and the other person thinks another way. As our children start getting older, when they're younger, they listen to us. They think you know what you're talking about, which you do. Then suddenly the aliens come in, they suck their brains out, and suddenly they think they know more than you. We encourage them, please move out while you know everything, but the law will not let you kick them out at 12. We found that out. So you have to suffer through that time, and, and there's a lot of divide and idea. What you think, how you think things ought to be done, that is not how you clean a bathroom. The garbage needs to go out before the garbage truck comes. Right? I mean, I'm using some funny illustrations, but the reality of it is, this is what happens, all right? Should the toilet paper roll uh, unroll from the back or the front? I mean, with this discussions around the house. I mean, do I, even, do I even dare go here, but should FSU be in or out of the college football playoffs, right? I mean, that's a big issue around these parts, you know. There is a, there's a difference. There's a distance in thought. Now, some of y'all are getting real spiritual. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. I saw a post this week on social media that if Christians... Got, ex just, uh, got as excited about winning the loss as they did whether they're FSU or whoever gets to the playoffs. Man, we, we would have churches packed full in our county, and there's a lot of truth to that. Not knocking you Florida State fans. I'm just saying it's, we need to get passionate about the things of God, right? Amen. When the distance is not dealt with, we put up some type of protection, and we call those walls. When there's, whether it's a husband or wife or kids or co-workers, whatever it is, when, we, when we're not thinking the same way, what happens is, is we, we build up walls to protect us, protect our way of thinking, protect our idea, right? And, 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 we, and there, there's this distancing with these, these walls, see? Um, some of you have walls between you and God. You thought God should do certain things certain ways, and He didn't. He did it the way He knew it should be done. And you say, well, I can't trust God because things haven't gone the way I've wanted them to. Come on, let's be honest here today. And what happens is, well, God thought it needed to be this way. I thought it needed to be this way. And you know what? I'm building up a wall. I don't think I can trust God anymore. That's a reality in people's lives. All right? Walls, if not dealt with, always go to this third phase, which is escalation. Think about that. Escalation. Meaning, the problem becomes bigger than it actually is. You know what I've found? Most, most things, most disagreements are really, really small and insignificant in the big scheme of the world in life but what happens is is because you don't think the way i think you're my enemy i'm building up a wall and before long it, it escalates and where does it escalate it escalates in our in our mind just it, it just grows the problem because and it and it consumes your thinking the danger of allowing the situation to escalate is this this is good preaching i know i'm not putting any scripture but we're gonna look at scripture this is human nature the problem when it escalates is this if we don't deal with it in order for you to believe that the problem is bigger than what it is, you have to believe a lie. It's not as big as you're making it out to be, but you're making it out to be bigger than it is. And you have to believe a, a lie to do that, see? And who, who's the father of lies? 
This is interaction. Satan. Come on, folks. It's Satan. Make your pastor look really smart. Like, yeah, Satan. Yeah, he, he's the father of lies. And, 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 and listen, that's how it all began in Genesis. was with a lie, a deception. He wants to make you question things. And what happens is you believe this. You replay over and over your mind what was said, not said, done, or not done. That's the escalation. And you know what? You start adding to the narrative of the situation the things that are not true of the situation. You add to it. And this is dangerous, see? I've seen people actually take the Word of God and twist it to support their way of thinking. That's how deranged it can get. Well, let that settle there for just a minute. The Word of God is not a weapon in the sense that we use it against people. We use it for the kingdom to reach people. But so often we use it to justify our sin, our actions, our thoughts. Right? Are, are you with me? I want to make sure you're with me here today. False belief produces hostility. False belief produces hostility. Contrary to what most people believe, hostility is not an emotion you feel towards somebody, though. Won't you listen? Well, you get hostile towards that. But the reality is, it's not an emotion towards a person. What happens is when you let it get to this point, you have become a hostile person inside. You ever been hostile towards somebody? Yeah. That may be a reaction to the situation, but reality, hostility has taken up home, a place in your heart, your life. And you've become a hostile person. And now your hostility is being expelled on a lot of different people that have nothing to do with the situation. That's why when you come home from work, you bite your, 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 your husband or wife's head off. Just because maybe something they didn't do or did do. The reality is somebody during the day or something in your life has stolen your peace, it's coming, there's conflict that has, has arose within your heart. And so now what you do, you take it out on everybody. You have become a hostile person. And finally, hostility leads to conflict. It leads to war. War with others, and war with yourself. And if this is the case, then there are things and situations that are not submitted to God. If you get to the point where you're at war and at your conflict, then there's things in your life, attitudes in your life, that you have not submitted to God. And if you're not submitted to God, you're not living according to His Word, which means that now you're at war or conflict with God, or at least His principles. See, if you're not living by the principles of the Word of God, then you are at conflict with God. I'm going to say it again. If you're not living by the principles of the Word of God, then you're at war with God. You're at conflict. You're the for Him or you're against Him. Are you with me? This is how conflict begins. And I know that's not what you want to hear this morning. I know it, it seems hard, but the reality is, it, 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 this week, listen, instead of stopping and praying for that person, instead of stopping and caring about what that, that person in particular that, that sent me in that text, there was something within me that rose up that was not of God. Emotion rose up within me where I wanted to tell them what I thought about them and the situation. See, oh, pastor, you're not being a very godly man. Oh, I'm a very godly man. I'm a very honest godly man or godly honest man. Because what happened was that situation, my attitude had not been submitted to the Word of God because that's not how God would have me handle that. See? You hear that? So if I had done that, if I had not submitted it to the Lord and repented to God and helped me, Lord, and, and prayed for this people, this person, and, and, and then what would happen is I could have very easily reacted. And now I'm at conflict, not with that person, but even with God and His principles. See, I shouldn't be upset and mad. I shouldn't be mad. 
emotional towards situations like that. Neither should you, see. The truth is, is my flesh was winning the battle over my spirit. And the spirit is always at war with the flesh, and the flesh is always at war with the spirit. It's a constant act of our will of obedience to submit to God's word. And we're going to look at it right here. Turn with me in James chapter 3 for just a minute. All right, I'm going to go over three things here in just a moment that's going to help us with this idea of missing peace due to people. How, how can we have peace in the midst of conflict? James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you harbor, if you hold on to bitterness, bitter envy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. You know, we like to boast about the feelings, the bad feelings about people. James is telling us here, look, don't boast about it. Don't go around boasting about how you feel anger towards this person or how you feel hatred towards this people. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You have no idea what I'm going through. And we have this idea that we've got to go out and we've got to boast about how people are treating you, how you're treating them. I've heard Christians talk about things they're going to do to somebody that is very ungodly. That's called boasting. Boasting. And James is telling us, don't do that. He also says, don't deny the truth. You're about to get three truths. You can walk away here today and you can either do these three truths and find peace in your heart in the midst of conflict with people or you can leave here and many of you will. I can't do that. You don't know what happened. You don't understand what they've done to me. You don't know the history. And you can do that. You can deny the truth if you want to. But if you want peace, that missing peace in your life as it pertains to people and conflict in your life, I promise you these three things are very rooted in the Word of God you will find that peace that you are missing. He goes on to say in verse 15, such wisdom, quote unquote, James says, you think this is wise, what? Boasting and denying the truth, holding this, this envious attitude, this boisterous attitude. He says, you think this is, this is wisdom, but such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. This way of thinking is not of heaven, but it's of earth, it's, it's carnal. It's, it's thinking and living in the flesh. There's a way of thinking in the world today that says, when somebody does something to you, you have a right to do it back to them. That's a worldly way of thinking. There's a worldly way of thinking. Get to them before they get to you. That is a worldly way of thinking. There's a worldly way of thinking that says, you could go avenge yourself if you want to. That's not of the Word of God. That's not in the Bible anywhere. I'm telling you, we live this way. That is worldly thinking. That's carnality. It is wrong. And it says right there, James says, it's unspiritual, it's demonic, it's of the devil. It's of the devil when we think this way, act this way. For where, where your envy and selfish ambition, there are, uh, uh, me, there you will find disorder of every evil practice. So how do you settle that? What do we do? How do we settle the war that's within us? How do we settle and come to peace? This is why Jesus came. He didn't came to solve all the conflicts. One day, this will be a place where there will be peace. When he's ruling from Jerusalem for a thousand years, and Satan will be bound and thrown into the bottomless pit, there will be peace on this earth. But until then, we can have peace in spite of the conflict, and that's why Jesus came. He came to bring peace to those who find favor or in goodwill with God. So you can leave here today, if you're willing, with a lighter load and the peace of God in your life, if you'll listen to these Three things I want to share with you. I believe it's available for you today. The first truth is this. You will never find peace until you make peace. Think about that. You're never going to find peace until you make peace. But if you make peace, 
you will find peace. Well, pastor, I thought you said this isn't about conflict resolution. I'm not talking about conflict resolution. When I say peace, I'm talking about about acting, getting, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about acting, I'm not talking about acting better and getting along in the world. What I'm talking about is, what I mean is you can settle the issues in your heart that you have with others. Okay? I'm not talking about setting down with somebody. That There may be a time and place for that. I'm just talking about you have to settle the issue in your heart and be at peace with that person in your heart. When you settle those issues, you will have peace. See, when that text came in this week, and it really, it really messed my world, it rocked my world. Okay? And for a couple hours, I was without peace, and I was like, how do I, how do, what do I do here? I'm praying. I realized, I came to realization that I'm not warring against flesh and blood here. The person may be being used of the enemy. In other words, I'm not saying this person was a puppet and the enemy was pulling the strings, but the enemy was using the situation to come against me. Where? In my mind. And so I had to back up and practice what I preached and realize where this was coming from. It wasn't coming from this person. It was a, an attack of the enemy. And I had to settle that issue in my heart. I ha and when I did, when I understand that I'm warring against principalities, there began a peace in my heart that began to enter. You cannot have peace if you refuse to settle the issue in your heart first. You have to settle the issue in your heart that you have with other people. You have to make peace first. Look at James 3 again. Verse 17, he continues on. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, God's way of thinking. This is God's wisdom. This is how he would have us to do it. God, it, 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 It's pure here. Look what he says. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. God's way of thinking is pure. God's way of thinking is right. God's way of thinking is correct. God's way of handling things is the right way to Handle things here, okay? It's the opposite of carnality. It's the opposite of flesh. It's the opposite of what the previous verse was talking about here. When we think and act God's way, we're thinking and acting in a pure, godly way. And when I know this is the battle within. Man, something within me says, where are you at? We'll settle this, right? That was the worldly wisdom. That, that's why we have people pulling guns out on people on up and down highways and roads with road rage. That's not, that's not pure. That's not godly. See? That's why we have violence in homes. See? And, and, and it's not. It's not the pure way of thinking. We're using and living. We should, be, we should be using and living by God's wisdom and not by such wisdom of the world. Now notice after the word pure, there's a semicolon. All right? What you, when you start thinking pure, when you start thinking like God... These things are what follows. What are they? Then peace-loving. God's ways are pure. So when you start thinking God's way, the pure way, then you become peace-loving instead of warmongering. Don't look at your neighbor, but you know somebody that's just looking for a fight constantly, right? Come on, come on. We, we, know, we know you're just looking for a reason to blow up, right? 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 It, it's, it's considerate. Considerate. That, that's... That's an idea in our culture today that we, we no longer see very often, do we? Consider somebody else's needs. Consider somebody else, giving somebody that front parking spot instead of at, the, at Walmart, instead of, instead of, you know what I'm talking about. Being considerate, right? Submissive. I'm not going to look at my wife. Joke, people. Joke. It's a joke. She's very submissive when she wants to be. Full of mercy. 
Thank God she's full of mercy. Full of mercy. We need mercy today. Good fruit. Impartial. Sincere. All these things, these attributes, these characteristics lead to living in peace with what? With others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule. Matthew 7, 12. See? This is, this, is, this is the heavenly. This is the godly. This is the pure way of thinking. And if this is who you are, then, you're, then, then you are someone who not only lives in peace, but look what James calls you, peacemaker. Are you a peacemaker? See? Who sows in peace? Peacemakers. Those people who think godly way, God's way, pure. All those things. If that's you, not, not only are you a peacemaker, but you sow in peace, and because of that, you reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, the results of peacemaking is righteousness. Things are made right in you. Things are made right around you. The verse is true as well. Anytime you put God's righteous standards into anything, it brings peace, doesn't it? Is there war in your marriage today? Bring God's way of thinking into your marriage. And see how it changes. It'll change you. It'll change the atmosphere in your home. Having conflict at work? Bring God's way of handling things into it. And see how things happen. You having, you having difficulties in your finances? It's Christmas time. Oh, I got some of y'all's attention. Come on, bring God's principles into the way you handle your finances. And watch how God provides for you in peace. Just when, when you have that trusting relationship with God and you live according to his words, I'm telling you, I say it all the time. If you, if you seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, you have no needs. Well, pastor, you ain't seen my checkbook. Live according to God's word. It says his needs are your needs, so therefore you no longer have needs. He promises to take care of your needs. You need a car? Now, you may be like Gerald. He provide a brand new truck. God bless you, brother Gerald, wherever you are. But he never says he's going to give you a new car. He says, I'll meet your need, and I'm proud for Gerald. He, trust me, he's been driving around for many years, anything, everything opposite of a new car, making sacrifices for his family, seriously. But he doesn't say he'll give you a Mercedes. He says, I'll meet your needs. Angela, it may be a 2004 Toyota that don't want to start sometimes, right? <laughs> She's borrowing one of my cars and decided to start having problems. Said he'd meet your needs. Okay. And listen. This is what you should be doing anyways, right? Living according to God's righteous standards. His word. Peacemaking produces righteousness. Righteousness produces peacemaking. Now, you want peace? Everybody wants peace? Everybody wants it. You want it? Be a peacemaker. Settle that issue in you. Which brings me to, the, to mind the question of this, this. Okay, pastor, that's easy. How do I settle it, though? How do I settle the issue inside of myself? You do it through reconciliation. Now, any idea, any, any accounting majors out there, what is, you got an idea of what reconciliation is? It's a term we don't hear a whole lot in our average conversation. It is an accounting term, okay? The word reconcile basically means you bring a balance to zero. So back in the day, many of you probably don't do this, I still balance my checkbook at least once, if not twice a week. I still have a checkbook. I still write a few checks simply because there's some places I, that I cannot use my debit card bills and things like that so what i do is i get my bank statement actually i go online that's how i do it weekly but in the day before they had online banking you got your statement once a month and it took many hours where you'd go down and say yep yep you'd say what you have you see what they had and then you would add back to your balance in your checkbook what hadn't cleared and you take 
what they said, and you would subtract what you say, and guess what? It's called reconciling it. And what should it be? It should be zero. Zero. When you take what they say, you're right, should be. Take, when you take what they say you have, and you, and you add back all your un, un, unpaid checks, boom, and you say, it should be zero, zero. You're bringing your balance to zero. It doesn't mean you don't have money. It just means my account lines up with the bank's account. I am now reconciled. You bring the balance to zero. Now notice, I didn't say resolve. Once again, resolve is when you and I sit down, we're going to look at what you did wrong, what I did wrong, how you think things ought to be done, how I think it ought to be done. And there's a time and place for that. The Scripture is very clear. But that's not always a possibility. Whether the person is hostile and doesn't want to talk with you, or maybe the person has passed from this life to the next. A lot of people walk around with unreconciled emotions towards people who have passed away. It really is. And, it, and it, I hate to use the word haunt, but it, it does. It bothers you. So I'm not talking about conflict resolution, right? I'm talking about bringing that person's account to zero. I mean, what is for, we love 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. But what does Paul tell us love does not do? It does not keep records of what? Oh, come on. Does not keep records of... I know I'm teaching more than I'm preaching today, but you need to, I want you at peace. God wants you at peace. And we're good about keeping records. We'll go back... I remember 1999. They all laugh because that's what you do. We keep records. And the Bible says we ought not do that, all right? And that's the reason why some of us are not at peace is because we still keep those records of the wrong someone has done to us and you'll never be at peace as long as you keep those records. Listen, reconciliation is not for that other person. I want you to hear your pastor, the word today. Reconciliation is not for that person who has done you wrong. It's for you so that you can have peace within. Aren't you thankful that what Jesus did for you, he reconciled your account, didn't he? He, he didn't sit down with you and say, all right, Jonathan, look, you've done this against me, and you've done that. You thought this. I know your thoughts, Jonathan. This is Jesus, not me, by the way. I know your thoughts, all right? I know your thoughts, too. I know you love me. That's why you let me use you here today, all right? And I know this, so this is what I'm going to... Jonathan, this is what you've got to do for me to be reconciled. You be reconciled to me. I need you to... Okay, first of all, you've got to undo everything you've done, all right? Um, and you need to come church, uh, cut the grass at the church. You need to wash and fix the pastor's car for him. And you know what? If you do all that, then I might let you into heaven. Is that what Jesus did for you? Come on, I know this is elementary, but we act like it. We act like it by our own thoughts and our actions, right? No, he didn't do that. He says, you know what? Before you were born, while you were yet a sinner, I came and I died for you. I took your sins and I nailed them to that cross right there. And as far as I'm concerned, when you receive that blessing, we receive that sacrifice, Jesus says, according to the book, you have nothing held against you. You've been reconciled. Your account has been brought to zero. Okay. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that awesome? God reconciled our debt. But notice what else Paul says in the Scripture. God reconciled our debt. Therefore, you and I need to reconcile one another's debt. 
We don't think of it that way. We're thankful for what God's done. But now he's saying, you have this ministry. You have been forgiven, so you need to go and forgive others. You need to settle the accounts in your heart. When teaching on prayer, Jesus gave us the model. Sister Dolores' class this morning was doing the Lord's Prayer. And in that Lord's Prayer, uh, he says, one of the lines he says, he says, forgive us our debts. It's an accounting term, debts. As we what? As we forgive our those who owe us. And if you finish there and you go down to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. He says, for if you forgive other people, this is Jesus. When they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Thank you, Lord. Ah, but if you do not forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sins. There is an accounting procedure that has to take place within you jesus says, i took care of yours now you need to go make peace with others within your heart there's places where you need to go it says you need to go to people you've offended if you come to worship and you know your brother and sister has something against you don't even come don't even come to church don't even come worship leave it go make it right but there's times it's not possible so you it begins in your heart god is saying i have reconciled your balance but I need you to have that same ministry. Verse uh, 18 again. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Then he defines what reconciliation is. Not counting people's sin against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassador. How many CAs are in here? If you don't know what that is, it's okay. It's Christ Ambassadors. It used to be our youth group term back when I was a kid. And you were a youth until you were 32 years old. I miss those days. All right. I miss those days. I'm, I'm far beyond 32, but I do, I do miss those days. Okay. But you are what? You are Christ Ambassadors. And, 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 and as though God were making his appeal through us. That's the whole idea here. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As God's representative, as God has reconciled his account, your account with him, you go into the world and you preach this message of reconciliation. The problem is you'll never do it as long as you are holding something against other people. So you need to bring their accounts to zero so that you're free to share that Christ that's done the same thing for them. That's what Paul's saying here. And that's how you're at peace. That's how you find peace with people who just rub you the wrong way, who don't see eye to eye to you. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You want peace? Settle it first. I'm not saying there's a, there's a place, like I said, for conflict resolution, but settle it in your heart first. So if you want peace, make peace. To make peace, you have to reconcile the account. But that will be difficult. Hear me, church. That's going to be difficult if you haven't done this third principle. You will never be able to reconcile until you have been reconciled with God. It begins there. It begins with just simply being reconciled with God. Over in Proverbs chapter 16, there, you know, the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom written by Solomon. And there's, there's a lot. There's 31, 31 Proverbs. Read one a day, and on the day that there's 30, day, 30 days, read two. It's, great, it's a great way of just having the Bible come to life to you. But over in chapter 16, verse 6, he writes this, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Who's love and faithfulness? Now, he, this is prophetic. It's Christ. Christ is the one 
who's faithful. He's the one who died for us. It's his, his, his love. He paid the price for salvation. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is, avoid, is avoided. Fear. We get the idea of fear means, ah, and there is a little awe, oh, but it's more of awe and reverence to God. That's really what fear means, sir. My, my kids fear me. They, they fear me. They do. Now, when my youngest one was younger, he feared the belt because I had to use it. Or really, it's a spoon. It was a spoon. He had a spatula with his name on it. Um, didn't have to use it too often, but there were times. There's times. But my point I'm saying is, but as he grew older, he no longer feared me and like, Dad's going to get the spatula. But there was a, a reverence for me as his father. And so when I say, son, this is what you need to do, he says, yes, sir, that's what I will do. And, and, and he, he had reverence for me and, and in a sense, all that I was his dad. Now, he's grown up, and he still has that. It's changed, it's transformed. But this is what this is talking about. It's talking about being in a relationship with God. That Not that you fear God's going to send me to hell, God's going to whip me, God's going to be... But no, it's more of a reverence. And as you have this awe and reverence filled in your heart, what should leave you is evil. Evil should leave you, right? That's what it says. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. As you have this awe and fear of God, this reverence for God, you start living for Him, and guess what? You're in obedience, then this evil leaves your life. You're no longer an evil person. You don't do evil things. You, you don't say evil things. Verse 7 says, when the Lord takes pleasure, when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way. In other words, when does the Lord take pleasure in you? When you have received Christ as Lord and Savior and when you're walking in obedience. So when you're that way, it, 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 then He causes their enemies or your enemies to make peace with you. What? what? What, what, what is he saying here? Is when we're reconciled to God and we live in obedience and awe. Hear me. Living in obedience and awe of God. When we've reconciled. He's reconciled us, but now we have received Christ as Lord and Savior. And we're living by the principles of the Word of God. We're living the godly wisdom way, the pure way, the, the peacemaker way, right? The sincere way, the considerate way. When, when, we, when we do that, then guess what happens? We're at peace with God. And then he causes those around us to be at peace with us. We settle the issue in our heart. We bring their account to zero. And when we start doing that, and we become not hostile, but peacemakers and peace-loving, then through that, God brings peace into our lives. And even if the person that is not wanting to be at peace with you is still around, then we can stand on Psalm 23, 5. You know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. When he's my shepherd, you get to, he brings you through the valley, shadow of death, his rod and staff. We, we, we grasp onto that. We always stop there, usually at his rod and staff are there to protect me. But the very next verse, 5, says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's not that the enemies are at the table with you, but in the presence of your enemies, there's peace. There's peace. Even though I still have enemies, I'm at peace. I'm okay. You know what? That's my goal for you today. I hope these three truths that God laid on my heart to share with you and the fact that now you know how conflict begins, I hope you can begin the process of allowing peace, that missing peace, especially in relationships with other peace, people, start taking hold in your life. Father, I've been obedient to your word today. I thank you, God, for the privilege of leading these people God, it's an honor to be behind this sacred desk and present your word. And I'm just praying today, God, that these words that you have laid on my heart, these, these biblical principles, these truths, Lord, will, will resonate with each and every one of us because, Lord, we all have people in our lives. And we, Lord, the reality is we may be that person to somebody else. 
We may be that person who's causing discord in somebody else's life. We may be that person, Lord, who's stealing the peace in somebody else's life. But God, I pray that you help us to evaluate our lives today. Evaluate our relationships today, especially with you, Father. God, help us, Lord, to find peace in the midst of all the conflict that's going on around us. You'll never be at peace inside until you're at peace with God. The Bible teaches us, Jesus says, that he stands at the door and he, he knocks. He's a gentleman, though. He does not barge in. He does not break down the doors of your heart. He knocks and he waits patiently. But he says, if you allow me in, we're going to fellowship. We're going to dine together. There's that idea of a meal. Food was very important in the Old Testament for, for fellowship, for for, for sitting down in, in relationships. And he's saying he will come in and you will have a relationship with you and you with him. My question today is if that's you today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, will you answer the door today? If you're here this morning and you cannot say, yes, I am on my way to heaven, I have a personal not that you just believe. I know we, we say if you believe in your heart, confess, yes. But that word belief there loses a lot of its meaning in the English translation. It literally means that you are convicted of who he is. And that conviction rolls over in how you live your life. Are you submitted to the ways of the Lord? If that's not you today, will you answer the door? Because he is knocking today. You're not at peace on the inside. It will, you'll never be at peace until you're at peace with God, I promise you. Until you start living the principles of His Word. It's what I had to do this past week. I had to stop and say, this is not how I should handle this. Let me regroup, pray, seek the Lord. Settle the issue in my heart for that person. Now I can re-engage a relationship and it doesn't have to be hostile in a conflict. That's what Jesus wants to do with you today. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if you would like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you, but I want your hand raised because I want to follow up with you. If that's you this morning, every head bowed and eye closed, please don't look around. This is between this person, that person, and the Lord, whoever it is, or whomever they are. Anybody at all this morning? Are you at peace with God? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? I'm just going to wait a moment. Not going to tarry long. I just, I want you, God wants you at peace with Him first. It's the only way you're going to discover peace in a world full of turmoil. Father, you've seen the hands that have gone up across this building. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for tugging because no man or woman comes to you unless the Spirit draws them. And so, Lord, I know today that you're drawing. And I pray for these individuals. If that was you that raised your hand, I, I, there again, I don't want to do a repeat after me prayer. I just, I just believe the word of God. You have to be convinced in your heart that Jesus is the son of God. That he died on the cross for you. That he rose again. That he's right now in heaven. And he's there as your representative to his father. That's, that's what it means. His, he's your advocate. He's your high priest. If you believe that and you want to submit your life to him, then all you have to do is believe in your heart. And then you need to confess with your mouth. What does that mean? It means you need to go to somebody of a spiritual authority. 
whether it's me, a grandmother, a mom, a dad, a husband, somebody that you know is a believer in Christ. Why is that important, Pastor? Because that person now needs to pray for you. Because what just happened is a door opened into a new reality, a new world, a new status in the kingdom of God. And if we're not careful, Jesus gave us the parable about the seed. If we're not careful, the enemy will come and he'll steal that seed. Or he'll strangle it out. We need to be more mindful of not just recent loss, but building disciples. And that's you. You are going to become a follower of Christ. And I want to pray with you and to encourage you. So just pray in your heart right now and receive him. You should, you should literally feel something different on the inside. Burdens lifting, a peace that passes all understanding coming upon your heart, your mind, your way of thinking, your emotions. Allow that to come in today. There's another reality in this room. Please get with me after service if that was you. But there's another reality in this room today. You may be a follower of Christ, but yet you're not at peace with somebody in your life. You've not brought that account to zero. And I'm here today to pray with you as well. Most often, we want to hang on to those hurts that people have done to us. And by, by bringing their account to zero, I'm not saying that what they did to you was right. And it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It just simply means you're no longer going to hold that against that person, no matter how grievous it may have been to you. You're going to say, no, I'm going to bring that account to zero. When you do that, I promise you, we've, I've heard testimony after testimony of people who do this. Even people who have had loved ones murdered, they'll get up in a courtroom and say, I need this person to know I forgive them. I have to forgive them. So why? So that I can be at peace. It's all about you. This peace is all about, this forgiving is all about peace in your heart. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, will you pray with me? Would you raise your hand this morning? Quickly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Now, by raising your hand, you're acknowledging that you're not at peace. You have unforgiveness in your heart. So that's where it begins. Father, you've seen these people. God, many of these people have hung on to things for a long time. And it still hurts. But God, help them understand it's not until they release that other person from the hurt that the hurt will go away. God, I know that we often think we need to forgive and forget. And the reality is, Lord, there's no forgetting some things. And that's not your word. Your word says to forgive and to move on, to move forward. So I pray that, Lord. It's going to be a battle because today, Lord, they're choosing to forgive. It's a choice. But, Lord, those thoughts are going to keep trying to come back in, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you raise up a standard against those thoughts. That's the enemy trying to come in and destroy, trying to steal their peace. Lord, fill that place. Fill that void, that missing peace. Lord, bring it into the thoughts and hearts of these people who raise their hands. They're being honest and saying, Lord, I need help. God, help them, Father. It's your will. It's your word. And I thank you for that, God. If that was you today, and you prayed that prayer, and I prayed for you, I want to encourage you. Every day is a choice. Everybody looking at me. Every head It's a choice. I know there's not a bunch of fanfare, not hooting and hollering. I'm just telling you, I want peace for you. God wants peace for you. When it comes to people and situations through people, it's a choice. You can harbor it. You can hang on to it. Or you can say, I let it go. I promise you, let it go. Let it go. And watch the peace that passes all understanding come in you. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord.
<clears throat> now, Father, as I release these saints of God back into their mission field, Lord, I pray you go with them, protect them, keep them safe. And Lord, as they go, Lord, I pray that you bless them, you smile upon them, give them the peace, Lord, that, Lord, you've preached through me to in their hearts and their minds. But Lord, remind them that they are the light of the world. They're the light in this world is what that means. It is your light that they should be shining. So, Lord, let them walk in obedience to the principles of your word, God, and be that light and that salt, God, in this dark, Lord, Lord rotting world that we live in, God. Father, bless them and keep them, Lord. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.